0: all over this world people are facing opposition if you live in the Ukraine you would really know that there's somebody who's opposed to you and trying to overthrow you overtake you I heard that Vladimir Putin's um, popularity in the world has really gone down even in his own home country of Russia his popularity has gone down so he decided he was going to get out in the community and try to raise his popularity he went to visit one of the schools gave a little talk there and after the talk was over he asked the kids if they had any questions little girl named Sasha raised her hand and she said yes I have a question what is your question I want to know why we invaded the Ukraine suddenly the lunch bell rang and everybody was dismissed suddenly to go eat lunch they came back after lunch Mr. Putin got up, and uh, he said, Okay, are there any other questions? One little girl, Nikita, stood up, and she said, Yes, I have three. My first question is, why did the lunch bell ring so early? My second question is, why didn't you address Sasha's question? My third question is, where is Sasha? (laughs) You know we all know that we have opposition in this world and we may not have to face the opposition that the Ukraine did but if you live in this world from time to time you are going to face opposition. The opposition that we face may not be life and death matters. I mean you think about the last two years. How much opposition has there been over these little things? I mean, how many times have you heard, oh, I ain't going there if you've got to wear a mask. But then you hear the, just the opposite. I'm not going there because everybody's not wearing a mask in there. And so there's all this opposition, you know, that we, that we, we fight against. And uh, that opposition can cause division among people. That's not what God wants. How about a vaccine? You know, everybody's got their opinion. I'm not taking a vaccine. I'm not going around them folks. They haven't been vaccinated. And, and we've got all this opposition. You know, in this world, there's so much going on in politics and things. You think about opposition about illegal aliens and sexual immorality and voter suppression and global warming and, and even religion. You know, is Jesus the way and the truth and the life, as the Bible says, or is there another way? And there's all this kind of opposition that we have to face. No matter where we go, we're going to face opposition. I've just about quit posting on Controversial issues on Facebook because not because I don't have strong opinions, because of the amount of time I have to spend defending my case when people attack me when I put something on Facebook so I just try to stick to the the like button and the the good stuff congratulations on your promotion wow that's a beautiful grandbaby you know that stuff I nobody has ever come back and say no that's not a beautiful grandbaby you're an idiot you you know people just don't do that so I try to stick to the to the generic stuff when I go online but there's so much opposition in this world that we live in. Woody Allen a few years spoke at a address, a college. He was, a, you know, the commencement address at a college. And listen to what he said. Listen carefully. More than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. Two, two directions. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness. The other to total extinction. You hear what his idea is? That we, we, we have two paths we can go. One is hopelessness. The other is extinction. That doesn't sound like a very good choice to me. It's sad that he doesn't know the God that I know. Because in the God that I know, there's no extinction. And there is plenty of hope that is available to all of us if we understand. But you know what? Even though we face opposition in this world, uh, opposition can be good. You know, I like to play golf. But if I never had anybody to play against, I would never get better. Some would say, you're not getting better anyway. But, but that competition is what makes us better. It makes basketball players try harder. Baseball players try harder. When people have competition, if you own a business, you try to be better so you'll get more business. And opposition forces us, you know, if, all, if people only had the choice of one restaurant, then it wouldn't matter how good you were, where they'd have to go and eat. But the competition forces you to be better. And when you have opposition, it forces you to think about things. You know, when I was working on my master's degree, uh, our professor had us read stuff, and I started reading this stuff, and I said, man, this, is, this guy's off his rocker. I don't believe this. And we had to write a paper about why we agreed with the author or why we disagreed with the author. And you know what that did? That made me think through my views and stand firm in what I believed because I was listening to something that I felt was not biblical. And so it forced me to to form a stronger opinion. Today we're going to continue our uh, series called deal or no deal today our case is case number four this is our fourth message in this series all of these messages are on our website if you'd like to go back and listen to them and you know god wants us to have what's in this case today but along the way there are going to be deals to make satan's going to tempt you he's going to say no don't take god's deal i got a better deal for you but we want to take god's deal there there might be a million bucks in here There might be something that's worth far more than that if we are followers of God. So today as we continue, you know, we've talked about the deal that God makes to love Him, and the deal that He says He wants you to love others, and the deal that He says He wants you to forgive. Today we're going to think about dealing with the opposition because we're all going to face opposition in this world. So the question I raise today is, how should we conduct ourselves when we're faced with opposition? You know, we're going to have it. You know, the truth is, you know, one person says, "Potato." Another person says potato. Personally, I prefer taters. But, but we're going to have opposition. And some things, like how you pronounce potato, is not worth fighting over. But there are some things that are worth standing firm in your beliefs. And that's what we're going to think about today. Because we will face opposition. The Apostle Paul faced opposition. Jesus faced opposition. And so we're going to look at the book of Philippians. If you have a Bible, there's a pew Bible there, uh, page 951 in the pew Bible. Or if you have your cell phone, you want to pull it up on that, whatever. Paul is in prison, and he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. We know he's in prison because in chapter 1, verse 13, he says, I am in chains for Christ. He's definitely facing some opposition. And he writes to this church at Philippi to tell them they're a Roman colony located in Macedonia northern Greece. And uh, he's in jail because of opposition. Because he said Jesus is the Christ. In the Greek language, Christ means the king. He is the supreme king. Now, the Jews had a problem with that. Because Jesus didn't fit their idea of their of their Messiah, which means in Hebrew the same thing as Christ, which means anointed one or king. And so the Jews were against him because Jesus didn't look like what they thought their king was supposed to look like. The Romans didn't like it because they had no king but Caesar. And so they're, they're, they're all against and opposed to Paul. And it landed him in jail. And so Paul goes through and he prays for them and and he, he prays that... Their knowledge and their depth of insight would increase as they grow closer to Christ. And he talks about being in jail because of of this opposition. And he talks about it turned out for good because he was able to share the truth of the gospel even in the midst of this opposition. And then he says this to the Philippian church, verse 27. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one Spirit, striving together as one for the truth of the gospel. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved." And that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So Paul's giving them some advice. So what I want to think about is, with faced with opposition, you know, what is it I do? How do How do I deal with that? You know what Paul could have done? He could have laid around here and complained and said, I'm innocent and and y'all are wrong and this is not right, the way y'all are treating me. What did he do? He used the opportunity to share the gospel with people that he never would have come in contact with. He says in this first chapter, You know what? i got to share Jesus with the whole palace guard. He took advantage of the situation. And he didn't grumble and he didn't complain and he, uh, he, he wasn't resistant and he didn't call them names and all that. He took the opposition and he turned it around to, to speak to these people in a way that was loving and caring. Now I want to say something here. When I'm talking about the opposition, I'm not talking about when somebody's trying to mug you. <laughs> or when somebody's trying to rob you, you know, the, the, the Bible gives us permission to defend ourselves. But when we have disagreements with people about certain things, there's a way that God wants us to handle that. So let's go back and let's break this text down. Let's look at verse 27 to start with. Whatever happens, he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And he says there to stand firm in the Spirit. So what does that mean? He's saying conduct yourselves in a way that you stand firm in the gospel. You know what gospel means? It means good news. You know, how can you be bringing good news if you're yelling at somebody and calling them a jerk and all that? And what is that good news? That good news is, despite the fact that God says all of us have sinned and fall short of His glory that He sent His Son to die in our place to pay the penalty for our sins so that through faith in Him we can be forgiven and we can be saved and we can practice the love of God toward other people. That's what He calls us to. You know, I'm going to say that over and over again. God wants us to love other people in whatever we do, in whatever we face. And that love is not this mushy feeling that that we sometimes try to sell as love. It is a decision I make. And we may have some feelings one way or another, but despite those feelings, God calls us to act in a way that is this, this love, this care, this concern, this desire for the other to have God's best in their life. You know, if we treat others this way, and if we keep our cool and if we, we listen to their opposing views and then we present to them our views, well, you know, without being angry or showing contempt or blowing up, we're going to make an impact on people. People are begun to begin to notice our difference. Over in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, Paul addresses and And uh, I'm not going to go through all of this, but he says, listen, your love has to be sincere. Your love has to be sincere. He says, be devoted to one another in love. And he goes on down in, uh, let's see, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Next verse. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. He said, keep in control of yourself as you talk to other people. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Get this now. Write this down, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know, God wants us to work in such a way to lead others. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Two rights don't make a wrong. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of... Of everyone. Now get this. If it is possible. As far as it depends on you. Live at peace. With everyone. He's saying do your part. To live this peaceful life. Do not take revenge. My dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. Says the Lord. Now. On the contrary. Now I want you to get this next part. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. That's just general kindness. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now let's stop and think about that. You say, wait a minute, God wants us to heap burning coals on somebody's head? No, this is a saying that they had in that day. And let me tell you what this is talking about. When you overcome an evil person with kindness you know what's eventually gonna happen they're gonna take notice and they're gonna start to look at you and they're gonna say man I'm treating this guy horrible and yet he keeps treating me with kindness and eventually what's gonna happen is they're gonna become frustrated and they're gonna become uh, they're, they're, they're gonna be embarrassed because they're going to recognize how bad their behavior is and how good your behavior is. Their face is going to turn red. And that's what the saying is. You know, we, we, we heap burning coals. We make their face turn red because they begin to realize how in the wrong they are. And when they realize that, you know, that's the first step in coming to know Jesus Christ because He's the only one that can forgive. And Paul's saying, kill them with kindness. And then he goes on to say, Do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So God wants us to stand firm in this faith that we have. You know, I heard about a baggage handler at the. uh, at the airport and this guy you know he's out here unloading cars and getting baggage and tagging it for where it's supposed to go and and this uh, this guy jumps out of his car and he says I'm running late and he starts calling this baggage handler all kinds of names and belittling him and cussing him be careful with my my luggage you gonna scratch it up and and you you make sure you get this loaded and and just beating him up terrible and Finally, the guy go, jumps in his car to go park his car, and the baggage handler starts, you know, he's whistling a tune. And, and one guy says, man, you are so kind to that guy, despite the fact that he was just braiding you and beating you up. And the baggage handler says, that's okay. That guy's going to Dallas. His luggage is going to Detroit. Now listen, that's not how God wants you to handle things, Okay. He, he doesn't want any of, of this passive revenge behind the scenes. But God wants us to show kindness even when people are berating us and putting us down. That's, that's the way He wants us to behave. You know, the Bible says our mind is supposed to be like Jesus. You think about Jesus hanging on that cross and what did He say? God strike them all dead. No. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You know, in Philippians 2, 5, it says, And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So God wants us to stand firm in this message of the gospel and the love of the gospel no matter what we face. Now, look at verse 28. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved in that by God you see this kind of behavior is evidence that you belong to Christ you know we don't have any reason to fear when we stand firm in the gospel message because it's the truth of God and God is on our side the Bible says perfect love drives out fear but you know what people notice when your behavior is different you know if you're if you're, constantly berating people and putting them down and, and being short with people and just snapping at them all the time and, and telling them they're no good and all this stuff. You know what people are going to call They're going to notice. You know what they're going to call you behind your back? A jerk. But the same truth is if you're always kind and you're always helping people and you're always showing that you're concerned about them and that you care about them, You know what they're going to say? Man, that person's got... What is it about that person? And they're going to begin to come to realize that you have the love of God in your heart. And it's going to make a difference. Where do you think they're going to go when they have problems? They're going to come to you. How do you handle this? And they're going to want to know. I love the story in Acts chapter 4 where the apostles... They, in Acts chapter 3, they healed a blind, not a blind guy, but a beggar that was crippled. And they healed him. And that gave them the opportunity. People were amazed and they began to preach to this. But the leaders of the Jews didn't like it. Because they were preaching that Jesus is the way to the resurrection. And so they, they captured uh, John and Peter. And it says they were greatly disturbed Because the apostles were teaching and proclaiming Jesus is the resurrection of the dead. And they seized them and they threw them in jail. And they left them there overnight. And then verse 9 in Acts chapter 4 says, The next day they came. And they had Peter and John brought before them. And they began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And Peter jumps up and he begins to preach a message. He said, look. You know, if y'all are calling us to count because of the healing and the kindness that we did to this poor beggar, then know this, it's simply by the name of Jesus Christ that we did this. And he goes on to talk to them, and he says that salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name in heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, Peter wasn't mean, he wasn't nasty, he wasn't belligerent, uh, he he didn't curse the people, you know, you guys threw me in jail. No, he was just calm, and he presented the truth of the gospel. And listen to what they said, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus. They said, one thing we know, these guys handled this, and all we know is there were Jesus' disciples that were doing this. You know, I read a study this week, and it says that when somebody is embarrassed or when they're done wrong, there's something in the brain, you know, that brings pain when you... When you get embarrassed or when you are rejected, it brings pain to you. But they've done study that says that if something pleasurable happens right after that, it takes the pain away. And one of the things that they said that will take the pain away is when you retaliate and take revenge against the person that wronged you. Now that's the way of the world, to take revenge. To want pleasure. They did me wrong. I'm going to do them wrong. That's going to bring me pleasure. But there's something in the brain that does that. But that's not what God tells us to do. God tells us to do the opposite. To live the way that He's called us to do. To behave in such a way that we belong to Christ. Even though it's our nature, we got to change the way we think. Romans 12 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So we become like Christ, and we think like Him. And when we have the presence of God, and the peace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are able to, to be different than the world. And you know what? When we are different, people take notice. And they see evidence, and they say, Wow, those people really do have the love of God in them. And I don't. And so it causes them to desire what we have. Now look at the last two verses there. Verse 29. For it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him but also to suffer for Him. Next part of the verse. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. You hear what Paul's saying? You may have to struggle. And that's what I want you to see. You may have to go through some struggle in this process. You know, I'm not going to tell you this is going to be easy. I'm not even going to tell you, you know, when when you maintain your cool, when you're facing opposition, that you're going to feel like you had a victory when it's over. But what I am going to tell you is if you stand firm in your faith and you don't belittle others and you treat them with the love of God, when this is all over, you're going to look back and you're going to find a certain joy and you're going to find a certain satisfaction in knowing that the enemy, the devil, did not provoke you to be the way the world is. And you're going to find some satisfaction in that. Listen to what James 2, 4, the brother of Jesus, James says, "'Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters,' Whenever you face trials, that could be opposition of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're going to have to go through some struggle. But that builds our spiritual maturity so that we can continue to live the way God wants us to live. Y'all remember the country comedian Jerry Clower? He used to tell the story about going coon hunting and guy climbing the tree to get the coon, you know. Just shoot up in here. One of us got to have some relief. Go look at it on the Internet. But he tells another story. He tells a story about when he was, uh, he was at his son's football game. And his son was the field goal kicker. And it was down to just a few seconds left in the game, and his son had the opportunity to win the game by kicking a field goal. And so his son lines up and kicks, and the ball just kind of sails off to the right, and he misses the field goal, and his team loses the game. Well, sitting up in the stands, there was this guy. He's a little tipsy, been drinking a little bit, and he started yelling and screaming against Jerry Clower's son. You know, where where did we get that kid? He's a jerk and he's no good. And we ought to kick him off the team. He lost the game for just beating the kid up. Well, Jerry goes up and he sits down beside him. And he says, hey, mister, you ought to thank Jesus Christ that you're still alive. And the guy says, what are you talking about? And he says, well, that's my son down there. And I'm a Christian and he won't let me kill you. Now, the principle is there. You know, God doesn't want us to kill anybody. Maybe the way He handled it's not so good. But that's what we've got to learn to do. In the midst of opposition, we've got to learn that Jesus don't want you to kill people. What Jesus wants you to do is show them the love of Christ. Even when they seem to be against you, God wants us to show them who Jesus is, and it may be a struggle. And you may struggle with the idea to react the way I want to, to retaliate, to take revenge. But I want you to know this today. In the end, those who truly love God and those who practice love for their neighbor, they're on the team of Jesus. And Jesus' team wins. And that's where we want to be. And here's our connection. We will face opposition in the world. But part of the deal is to live like Christ's faithful followers even in the trials. So I ask you today, what are you going to do? Are you going to only follow Christ when it's convenient? Are you only going to follow Christ when it's easy? You know, God calls us to stand firm even in trials. The opposition. There's a story about Mary. She was uh, in a large city and went to the university there. It was a large university. And at that, that university, she was taking acting. Uh, she was an acting major, and she took her first class in acting. And the professor said, I want you, every one of you, to prepare something that is extreme. I want you to bring an extreme idea and act it out or perform it some way for the whole class. And so Mary decided she was a Christian. She decided she was going to write a song, a love song to Jesus. And she was going to play that on the guitar for all the class. And so the day came, she had prepared. And, you know, it's pretty bold to do that in a university, a secular university. But that's what she was going to do. Well, the the day it was her day to go, there was a girl right in front of her, and her name was Alice. And what Alice did was totally the opposite. You see, Alice was an atheist. And Alice got up before the class, and she went through and took the class out to a trash can on the campus and took the Bible, and she began to read portions of the Old Testament that have stuff like God commands the Israelites to make war or God punishes the nations or God sent Israel into exile and she read some of the imprecatory Psalms and they had violent scenes in them and Alice would say something like you know who would believe in a God like that and just begin to berate God and she would tear pages out of the Bible and light them on fire and drop them in the trash can it was totally opposed to the message that Mary was going to bring But Mary, after that, you know, what does she do? But she silently said a little prayer. She got up and sat on a stool in front of the class, got out her guitar, and she began to sing this love song to Jesus. Okay? Well, after the class was over, everybody got real silent. And one by one, they began to walk away, all except Alice. And Alice comes marching down the aisle to Mary, And this is what she said. That was beautiful. That is the God that I want to know. Can you help me get to know Jesus? And Mary spent the next week, several days, praying with Alice, reading her scriptures, teaching her about the love of God and why the Old Testament said the things that it said. And guess what Alice did? she gave her heart to Jesus Christ and is forgiven and is saved today and listen, I'm telling you there are times when you sow the love of Jesus you're going to bring people to know the grace and forgiveness that he has to offer us all you know at the end during the show they try to make a deal with you You know, they try to buy your case away from you especially if there's big numbers still left on the board And so how we always asked: deal or no deal. So are you going to make the deal to follow God and do the things that He wants you to do? Are you going to push the button? Are you going to say, no deal, I'm not doing that. But here's the deal. Here's what God's people do. They are faithful in opposition. And that's what God calls us to be. Let's pray. God, we do live in a world that's full of opposition. We have people coming against us too often. And many times there are arguments about stuff that really we just shouldn't be arguing about. But Lord, we we have to face with that. We live in this broken world where things like that happen. But I call us as followers of Christ to be different, to show the love of Christ in all that we do. To stand firm in in that gospel, that love that He wants us to show everybody. And even in the midst of opposition, that we stand firm in that truth. Even in times when we have to struggle. I pray that you would help us. And that you would help us most of all to hold on to Jesus as we go forward. For it's in His name that we pray and praise today. Amen.